This is episode 110 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today's articles are The Most Powerful Antibiotics Known to Mankind Three Incredible Stories of Survival What We Can Learn from Three Men Who Beat All the Odds and The No Mess No Fuss Method of Making DIY Laundry Detergent Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website a daily aggregator of preparedness information These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, I want to just uh, send a big thank you out to uh, an impatient patient for leaving a review on iTunes. So we got another review. Um, It says, the concept of this podcast is simple. Todd Sepulveda reads aloud and in comments on the best of the best articles related to prepping. His podcast is a boon to those of us who don't have the time to sift through the many articles published each day to find the gems. He shows notes provides his show notes, I'm sorry, his show notes provide links to the original articles so one can easily access an article they wish to read themselves or to print for future reference. Thanks Todd and keep up the good the good work. So thank you, impatient patient, for leaving that review. I really do appreciate that and thank you for the kind words. Uh, it's always good to hear uh, that people are enjoying the podcast. And I want to send a shout out to our listeners. You know, most of our listeners are in the United States, but we have listeners in Canada and also in Australia. So I wanted to send a, a shout out to uh, to those of you and thanks for listening and being part of uh, of the podcast. When I click on uh, like Canada, um, you're all over the place in Canada. Uh, Ontario, Alberta, British Columbia, Quebec, Nova Scotia, Manitoba, Saskatchewan. Uh, in Australia, you're coming from New South Wales, South Australia, Western Australia, Victoria. So, uh, hey, thanks so much for uh, for being a part of the podcast and listening. Uh, it's good to know that we uh, <laughs> that we're global, right? And there's there's a lot of other countries out there too as well. Um, I wanted to share. I, I spoke with uh, Paul Munson of Sun Ovens, and he he thought it would be a good idea and a good blessing to everyone out there. If I opened up the webinar, so I have the link uh, that um, that allows you to go look at the recorded webinar that he that we recorded on Tuesday, and along with that webinar, you also get the uh, the uh, the great deal on sun uh, on a sun oven if you're interested. So if you've ever really wanted to purchase a sun oven, like this is the time to do it because it's like 35% off. Uh, and then there's like $168 worth of things that are thrown in there. And really, if you didn't get to see the webinar, you didn't register, I'm going to have the link in the show notes. You can go check it out. No pressure, right? I mean, just if, but if you ever thought about a sun oven, uh, go check it out. Go check out the webinar and go to the end of the webinar and you'll see that you'll have the ability to take advantage of, of the deal that he was offering. You'll see how um, you know all the different things that you can do with a sun oven. So I will uh, put that in the show notes uh, as we, uh, at, at, you know, as I finish the podcast and I and I put it out there. Hey, on Twitter, uh, I saw that there was a big earthquake in uh, Turkey. Uh, people have died. I was watching some footage. Of, there was a mini tsunami, and so people were were running from that. Um, Suspicious Observer, you've heard me talk about him and uh, his his YouTube channel and the app. Uh, just recently, like in the last 17 minutes of me, uh, before I started this podcast, he put out another uh, alert on the app, and then he also uh, put it up on on uh, Twitter. Um, there is uh, an increased seismic risk for the West Coast, uh, and actually it's the lower West Coast. And this picture is so small that I can't see exactly. I'm, I, I'm assuming it's like California and down uh, going south to Mexico, but uh, increased seismic risk of uh, you know a 6.0 to 6.3 uh, earthquake on on the west coast. And so with all the with all the you know excitement with all the other earthquakes going on, um, you know just recently there was another there was a 4.7 in Greece. I know people have lost uh, two people lost their lives. I don't I can't remember if that was Turkey or Greece. Where they lost their lives uh, today in in earthquakes, but um, you know there's a lot of activity right now. So there, another thing that's going on, and just you know, I always always mention about staying aware. And uh, so I'm I'm coming from a uh, from a spiritual you know biblical perspective here. Um, riots that are going on in uh, Jerusalem. 
uh, and with all the things, the, the shootings that happened uh, on the Temple Mount. And uh, so there's a lot of craziness going on. There was a there was some uh, footage on Twitter that I saw. You know, and usually video on Twitter is only like a minute long, but uh, you know things were burning and all those kinds of things. And so when I talk about being aware, um, as far as the Bible is is concerned, the Bible is uh, like a uh, an Israeli or uh, Israel centric uh, book. And so uh, for me, one of the things that I'm looking at when we talk about SHTF and like the end of the end type thing, whatever that means, however you you believe in that, wherever you're, you're, you line up on that, um, you know, I'm always looking at things that are happening over there. So that is uh, that is something that is important to me. And I uh, just wanted to kind of throw that out uh, as um, because I saw that I saw that. On Twitter before we started. Hey, I have a couple of uh, great articles here for you, and then like always, because it's the Friday podcast, I pulled one from the archives, and uh, I think you're going to enjoy that one too. This one um, is, I think this one is going to be a real popular one. It's from Ask a Prepper. Our first one is from AskAprepper.com. They had one not too long ago that was very, very popular. Uh, uh, I think it almost kind of went viral. Uh, as far as like herbal, looking at uh, like herbal, herbal remedies and, and uh, what you can get out in nature. And this one I think is just as important as well because it talks about antibiotics uh, that are found in nature. And, you know, so he goes into some of that. Um, I'm going to go ahead and talk a little bit and then I'll come back at the end um, before, uh, before I end this article here. So uh, the most powerful antibiotics known to mankind by askaprepper.com. Here we go. Before the 1920s, when Alexander Fleming first discovered penicillin, Western medicine had no effective treatment for infection. Something as simple as a scrape or a cut could progress into a blood infection or sepsis and result in death. Since Fleming's discovery and with further advances in antibiotic research, we've been able to make drugs that treat different types of bacteria. Lives all over the world have since been spared. In the process, information about natural remedies have been lost. Now we are seeing a darker side to synthetic antibiotics. Overuse and improper use of antibiotics has led to bacterial resistance. The antibiotics we have relied on over the past century are becoming less effective against infections or losing their potency altogether. The extent of bacterial resistance is extreme. We now have superbugs which have grown resistance to all of our available antibiotics. Infections we have long been able to cure are now again life-threatening. Science currently has little to offer in establishing plant remedies as effective medicines. The immersion of superbugs and our exhaustive use of antibiotics has generated, interested, has generated interest in herbal medicine and other alternative therapies. Much of the research being done targets the chemical constituents of plants. Less frequently is the whole plant or plant parts leaves, flowers, roots, study. Likely, it is the whole plant or plant part that is most effective and causes the fewest side effects. So let's talk about some of these plants and other remedies. I believe there's 11, so we'll start off. The first one is golden seal. Golden seal is a plant that is native to North America. Over-harvesting of the plant in the United States has reduced the availability of golden seal. Attempts to replenish the bounty of golden seal are being made in areas of the Blue Ridge Mountains. Golden seal has traditionally been used to treat skin infections resulting from injuries such as cuts and scrapes. The most effective form is the extract of the leaf of the plant. The extract is applied topically to injured skin. Not only does the leaf extract help with skin and other soft tissue infections, it has also been demonstrated to be effective against some superbugs. Bacterial infections such as MRSA that we can no longer cure with antibiotics are showing responsiveness to golden seal leaf extract. Taking golden seal by mouth has not demonstrated anti-infection properties, but there is early research being done to use into use for non-infection conditions including cancer. Number two is garlic. The garlic bulb that is common in cuisine also has medicinal value. The antibacterial components of garlic are activated when exposed to air. Crushing garlic bulbs works to accomplish this. In the lab or in vitro, garlic has shown to be effective against bacteria that typically responds to penicillin, such as non-MRSA staph infections. 
the cause of many infections in people. Garlic has not been shown to be effective against superbugs like MRSA, but the research is limited. Garlic has also been found to be effective in treating Candida species fungal infections, including those infections which are resistant to commonly used antifungal medications. Garlic has been found to be more effective against many Candida infections than other plants, including neem, plants in the borage family, holy basil, and fenugreek. Number three is ginger. Ginger has historically been used to treat coughs and asthma. Both the fresh juice of the ginger root and ginger root extract are used. Ginger has been used effectively to treat fungal, bacterial, and viral infections. Scientific research shows that ginger has potential for use against superbugs. Use boiled ginger root to treat coughs, colds, asthma, and other respiratory infections, including pneumonia. Storing ginger with the peel still on will help it keep longer. By putting it in a plastic bag, removing as much air from the bag as possible, and keeping it in a cool place, you will extend its shelf life for several weeks. It can be frozen for longer periods of storage. Number four is indigo. Herbs and other remedies with antimicrobial properties, being effective against bacteria, fungi, and viruses, can be used to prevent illness, which is always preferable to having to have to treat illness. Indigo root extract has been used in areas of the world to treat typhoid, typhoid fever. We don't see cases of typhoid fever often in the United States. However, we do see over 1 million cases of salmonella related to food poisoning each year in the United States. What's the connection between typhoid, typhoid fever and salmonella? The bacteria that causes typhoid fever is similar in many ways to the bacteria that causes salmonella. Potentially, indigo root extract could help prevent food poisoning from salmonella when used in the kitchen as part of a cleaning solution. Baptisia species can be found along the east coast of the United States from Maine to Louisiana. Number five is licorice. Licorice root has been found to have anti-inflammatory effects. It works especially well in the respiratory system. Licorice is, part, is particularly helpful in treating allergic and asthmatic conditions that cause irritation in the airway. Inflammation is part of the body's normal response to most infections. While licorice may or may not have use as an antibiotic, it can be used in combination with antibiotic remedies to ease symptoms and otherwise promote recovery from respiratory illnesses. Pregnant women should avoid licorice as it can be dangerous in pregnancy. Excessive use of licorice can ra raise blood pressure. Consuming large amounts of licorice can drop the body's levels of potassium, which can cause abnormal heart rhythms. Cinnamon. Cinnamon bark can be extracted in alcohol. We have the best information for its effective effectiveness for the use in the treatment of mouth and gum conditions. Cinnamon extract can be used in toothpaste and mouthwashes to treat gingivitis, tongue inflammation, irritation and infections in the mouth, and oral ulcers. Cinnamon oil is very concentrated. Unlike cinnamon bark extracted in alcohol, it is too strong to be used without being diluted. It should be diluted to a concentration of 2% before being used. This is equal to approximately 1 teaspoon of cinnamon oil per cup of water. This formulation will make an effective non-alcoholic mouthwash. Being an antimicrobial, cinnamon can be used in foods as a preservative. Preventing the growth of bacteria, it can extend the shelf life of foods. Hey, just real quick, if you choose to, to use uh, cinnamon and not in an essential oil uh, way, if you want to use the actual bark, make sure it's real cinnamon. Um, I mean, that's, that's the thing that you, you know, a lot of the cinnamon that you find in the stores, uh, you know, the cheaper, you know, it's, it's not the, the real cinnamon that um, would be used for herbal uh, remedy purposes. All right, continuing on. <clears throat> Number seven is honey. Honey is a magical, versatile remedy with antibacterial properties. When used directly on skin wounds, raw honey will help to prevent infection and promote healing. Honey is especially useful on any type of burn. Not only will it protect the burn from infection, but the enzymes in honey will help to remove dead skin cells and speed burn recovery. Most store-bought honey has been pasteurized, which destroys the antibacterial and enzymatic properties of honey. Raw honey must be used for medicinal purposes. 
raw honey may contain botulism spores, which can cause botulism infection in children under the age of one. Um, if you remember, if you've listened to all the podcasts, I can't remember how far back it was, I did mention uh, that one article where uh, Survival Jane cut her finger like really bad and just kept putting honey on it and uh, and it healed up. Uh, it was pretty amazing looking at those pictures. So um, I can't remember what episode that was. But if you go to uh, if you go to Prepper website and you go to the search bar and you search for honey, uh, I'm sure you'll find it uh, very very easily. If I if I find it, I'll uh, I'll post it back up on the episode or in the show notes again because I think that's a worthy article to go look at. I mean, it was is pretty remarkable. All right, continuing on, uh, number eight is uh, uh, turmeric. Honey works magic on most wounds, but some wounds heal more slowly. Diabetic wounds and pressure ulcers and skin wounds that are difficult to treat and, if untreated, can lead to gangrene and systemic infection, or sepsis. Turmeric has been found to be effective in treating this type of persistent wound. Turmeric is anti-inflammatory, antimicrobial, and has chemical constituents that promote healing and reduce scarring. To be most effective, turmeric should be used in an ointment. All right. Uh, I know I have some uh, turmeric, and I use it for uh, a tonic that I've been drinking for the longest time. It's uh, like a lemon. Uh, it's okay, so I'll give it to you really quick. It's three fourths lemon juice, uh, five cups of water, uh, about a teaspoon, uh, and I probably put a little bit more of uh, turmeric in there, and then about a tablespoon of honey. I put that in a big mason jar, shake it up, and I drink about six to eight ounces every morning. And so it's like a cleansing tonic. It does all of it. I mean, it's everything. And it, it helps with the digestive system. If you drink it, if you're not used to it, it can get you going to the restroom. So you take it, and about two hours later, you better be ready to go to the restroom. So, um, you know, I, I use it that way. I, I try to look for recipes, and a lot of the, the recipe is just like, you know, it colors your food and different things like that. So don't really, you know, use it that way. Uh, I do have it in, with Pepperdine as well, and uh, I do take that as a capsule. So I think that is a, a useful uh, herb to take. Uh, number nine is elderberry. During times of exhaustion or stress, and I knew that I was I was going to start talking about this stuff as I was going. I, I wasn't going to, but uh, or I said I wasn't going to, but uh, here you go. I just can't help myself. <laughs> uh, number nine is elderberry. During times of exhaustion or stress, our bodies are less efficient at resisting and recovering from infection. This leaves us more susceptible to infection. Elderberry, whether or not it has antibiotic properties, helps to stabilize overall health and strengthen the immune system. The healthier we are, the better we are able to fight infection. Elderberry has been studied to prevent respiratory infections that are common among airplane travelers. When used for the 10 day prior to travel, elderberry was found to reduce cold duration by approximately two days and also to reduce the severity of cold symptoms. Less research has been done on the prophylactic use of elderberry to reduce the symptom severity and the duration of the common cold, but it is certainly plausible. Um, I know I know they're just they're talking about elderberry here, but uh, one um, one over-the-counter medicine that you might want to to look into that is uh, you know the elderberry is a sambucol, and um, I think that was the one that was. Uh, I guess really looked at and really researched and they looked at it uh, for the flu and if you start taking it early on when you start showing flu symptoms uh, I have read in many many cases that uh, it was just as good or even better than Tamiflu and so I suggest you have some Sambacol in your in your medicine cabinet and you just take it during cold and flu season if you are around people I mean if you are in, if you're in a homestead and you just stay at home and you stay to yourself fine but if you like you know like I you know that I used to work in the school take a tablespoon or take whatever you know of that uh, whatever the dosage is to keep yourself healthy and to keep your immune system up and going uh, during those times because uh, especially around the schools uh, it can get pretty crazy but uh, if you start feeling run down and you start feeling sick, definitely want to start taking it. So you can buy that in most, uh, like uh, most drugstores, Walgreens, CVSs, 
um, will, will carry it. Uh, I have uh, I've always told people about that. Some people have not listened. Some people have listened and th- have thanked me about it uh, because you know they just keep the Samba call there, and when they start feeling run down, they start taking it. So uh, that might be something you want to look look at. I wish I could uh, grow elderberries, but uh, I don't I don't believe that uh, I've looked into it. And down in the Houston area, I can't do that. But uh, those of you that can uh, grow it, I mean, that's something that I would really look into to growing and, and having uh, there, you know, in your in your garden, definitely. Number 10 is echinacea. Preparations of echinacea purpura have been found to be at least as effective as pharma, pharma, pharmacological antiviral drugs that are used to treat the flu. Caused by a virus, influenza, the flu causes millions of people to get sick in the United States each year. Hundreds of thousands of people end up in the hospital for care, and thousands of people die every year from the flu. The use of echinacea purpura to treat the flu is associated with fewer complications and fewer adverse effects than antiviral medications used to treat the flu. Like elderberry, we believe there is potential for echinacea purpura to be used as a preventative for respiratory infections and possibly more. The beautiful purple coined cone flower can be found in the central to the southeastern parts of the United States. There are many species of echinacea and they can look almost indistinguishable from one another. The only species with potential for medicinal uses are Echinacea purpura, Echinacea agustifolia, and Echinacea pallidea. Other species of sub- or subspecies of Echinacea may or may not have medicinal value. Number 11 is cumin. Cumin is a spice commonly used in Middle Eastern and East Indian cuisines. In addition to its culinary uses, it exhibits antimicrobial activity against the bacteria in the mouth that can cause tooth decay. It will often work when pharmacological preparations will not. It It therefore has potential to be effective in fighting superbugs. The last one is cranberry. Cranberry fruit is used for the prevention of urinary tract infections. It works for this purpose because of its anti-inflammatory properties. Also, it prevents bacteria from sticking to the wall of the bladder. This makes it more likely that bacteria will wash out in urine instead of staying in the bladder. The above plant grows commonly throughout many parts of the world and easy, are easy to recognize and easy to prepare as medicinal remedies. They hold promise in case that... that I'm sorry. They hold promises in cases that fail to respond to Western antibiotics. The growing body of scientific research may help us recover the information lost when we started using plants less and less in synthetic antibiotics more and more. So stay tuned. In the comments, uh, there was comments about using Comfrey, and you know, I know I've heard Jack Spirico talk about that uh, a lot. Um, let me see if I can find that really quick. Um, yeah, comfrey and plantain leaves. Uh, I've tried to grow uh, comfrey, and, and it, to be all honest, I, I didn't really pay a, a lot of attention to it. Uh, I tried to grow comfrey from seed. I didn't do very good on that one. But I am going to try that again because I do want some. But, you know, there are some of these. Um, well, let me go back and talk about a couple of these really, really quick. Um Definitely garlic, you should be trying to grow that in your garden. And ginger is so easy to grow. If you can go and um, if you have a farmer's market where maybe you can find some that hasn't been, you know, things haven't been uh, sprayed on. uh, Or if your grocery store has an organic section, I don't know, uh, you know, it might be really organic or not. You, You could try it. Um, buy it there and you know put it in the ground and you'll be amazed not only does it smell great when you get around it but you can just leave it there and let it go you know and and let it keep growing and uh, uh, spreading out in your garden if that's something that you want so that's very very easy to grow Um, definitely you should have some some ginger Um, I think everybody should have that the licorice I did want to uh, uh, a friend over uh, uh, Nick, who runs uh, the Herbal Survivalist, did send me some a while back, and uh, because I was, I just had this thing where I couldn't get rid of this, uh, you know, this junk, you know, all the the phlegm and, and and allergies and stuff. And he did send me some, and I did notice that it did make my heart race a little bit. Um, so you got to be careful with taking too much of that. That is true there. 
Um, I am going to, I will link to the Samba call on Amazon. Uh, by the way, if you, uh, you know, whenever you make any purchases through our links on Amazon, that, that is a, just a blessing for us. And we get a little percentage. It doesn't cost you anymore, but it is a blessing for us. But, uh, you know, so Samba call is definitely something that I think you should have. So the way to use this this article, right, um, the thing that I think could have made it so much better is if they went into specific ways of how to prepare thing, things, uh, these herbs, and use them. But that would have made this article so long that there's no way I would have been able to read it. So theoretically, you can take each one of these and create, actually, you can take each one of these and probably make a two or three part uh, you know, article on it because there would be so much information that you can take. But the way that you would use this article for Mask of Prepper is go, go check it out, go read it. There are links all throughout the article. But you want to go um, pick one of these that might be interesting to you and go do some research. Jump off of this, you know, use this article to jump off and say, okay, hey, uh, let me see if I can grow elderberry in my, you know, in my neck of the woods and, and you know, look into what it would take to do that. Look into maybe some golden seal and uh, growing golden seal or uh, maybe, you know, comfrey. You can look into comfrey. And, and to be honest, I haven't seen an article on comfrey in a long time. Um, that might be, you know, an article if there are any, uh, anybody that owns websites out there that are listening, that might be an article you might want to do. But definitely garlic, you know, painting, putting some garlic bulbs in the in the ground and just letting them go to town, uh, and and that that might be something you want to do. So bounce off of this and uh, and and let that be something that you use to um, to research a little bit more what might use in your what might work for you in your garden. Um, I've talked a, a lot about uh, I think that the way medicine is going and the way healthcare is going. I think that a lot of people are going to be looking for natural remedies. And so I think this is going to be, again, I think this is going to continue to become popular and people are going to want to, to look into to these as well. One of the, uh, and I mentioned it before, but if you're new to the podcast, one of the, um, one of the things that got my wife convinced on prepping is we sat down, we watched a video uh, on Discovery Channel called... Uh, and you can find it on YouTube after Armageddon. And so it, there's so there's experts that are talking, and it kind of tracks this uh, this this family, you know, after like a pandemic or whatever. And um, you know, they get to the very very end, and someone someone gets an infection off of a little cut, and they wind up dying because of it, right? I'll, no, I kind of spoiled it for you if you've never seen it. If you've never seen that, go to YouTube and just watch it. It's very interesting. Uh, it's called After Armageddon. I believe it was done by Discovery Channel. Uh, and and so go go check that out. And um, man, it it uh, it's it was eye opening. So that kind of got her in, into the the mode of prepping. And it's like, hey, yeah, we should you know look into this a little bit more. It doesn't hurt to be prepared. Uh, but the fact that if that guy would have had some comfrey or if that guy would have had some, if he would have known some medicinal herbs, the thing is, is that there's probably things that were growing outside wild that could have helped that guy uh, survive. Uh, but he um, but he didn't know it because that that information is kind of lost to us. So uh, go check that out at askaprepper.com. I'll try to link to everything that I just mentioned. Uh, hopefully, sometimes I, I say so many things I'm going to link to and then I forget. Uh, I guess I'm getting old. Uh, maybe I should write <laughs> write some of them down as I as I uh, as I'm going. All right. Uh, our next article comes to us from American Preppers Online. Uh, it is a guest post, but uh, I thought so. Uh, I I think what I really want you to get out of this one is um, because the title is Three Incredible Stories of Survival. What can uh, what what we can learn from three men who beat all the odds is just realizing that we can be in survival situations and there's always a way you know we can we can fight it out right uh, don't go don't go down without uh, without a fight so let's read this article and uh, you'll see what I'm talking about hello my friends and welcome back today I have a great post for you from Chris Browning and it's a good one he is the editor of Gun News Daily. Uh, at www.gunnewsdaily.com. It's longer than what I usually post, but well worth the effort. 
The best way to learn to survive is to learn from those who have had to fight to survive already. Their stories and insights provide the best training you can get. Grab a cup of coffee, my friend, and have a seat while we visit. Three incredible stories of survival, what we can learn from three men who beat all the odds. As terrifying as this may be to a prepper, when you are out in the wilderness, it is truly impossible to be 100% prepared for anything that could happen. No matter how much you pack, read, and train prior to an expedition in the wild, sometimes fate takes over and everything you thought you knew becomes useless. Does this mean that when something unexpected happens, when we're out in the wild, we should give up? Of course not. Although you never know what could go wrong in the wild, survival is possible if you remember to remain calm and focused. Enjoy these incredible stories of survival against all odds to remind you that although you can't be prepared for every situation, the will to survive is the strongest power that a human possesses. First one is Stephen Callahan, a man stranded at sea. Stephen Callahan, an experienced sailor, set out on a solo cell in the middle of the night one day for what he thought would be a usual expedition. Everything changed, however, when a whale bumped his boat. The boat sunk to the bottom of the ocean and Callahan found himself left with only an inflatable raft and a small amount of water and food. Callahan's previous experience sailing on the ocean could never prepare him for the next 76 days. Callahan had to battle a bright sun, dehydration, and shark encounters. He faced disappointment after the seven flares he shot at passing ships were not seen. How did Callahan survive 76 days alone and hungry without going crazy? He was able to find comfort in the environment around him. Although it seems impossible that Callahan could find solace in a huge empty ocean, Callahan was able to find the positive in a terrible situation. Dorado fish swam around Callahan's raft constantly and provided comfort and a sense of togetherness for him. Callahan began to refer to them as his doggies. Miraculously, after 76 days and 1,800 miles floating on the ocean, fishermen finally found and rescued Callahan. The Lesson Callahan's incredible survival teaches preppers that even if you are completely unsure how to handle a situation, take a moment to find comfort in the things around you. Finding a calming presence against all odds may keep you sane and save your life. Ricky McGee, Alone in the Outback Ricky McGee woke up one day in the middle of the Australian outback with no food or water. He was completely alone and unsure of how he got there. McGee believes that his car was stolen by three Aboriginal men who drugged him and dumped his body, leaving him for dead. McGee woke up in a shallow grave that had been dug for him. He had no resources available to him. McGee ate any food that crossed his path, consuming frogs, leeches, lizards, and cockroaches whenever possible. He was able to find a dam with water that he could drink in order to avoid dehydration. After 70 days of struggling to remain alive, McGee was finally found by farmhands. He was completely emaciated due to his limited diet and had lost over half of his body weight. And there is a picture of, uh, of Ricky McGee there, man. He, is, he really looks like a World War II uh, Holocaust survivor. Uh, he's just so skinny, um, so skinny and frail, man. Um, the men that took his car and left him for dead were never found. Ricky McGee had no way of being prepared for what would happen over the next 70 days when he awoke in the middle of the outback, and yet, against all odds, he survived. The Lesson This is an important example of the triumph of the human spirit. No matter what is thrown at us, we can survive. The will to survive is always stronger than the will to give up. Despite how hard or even impossible a situation may seem, remember that you can and you will survive if you simply never lose hope. You know, one of the things of, uh, you know, and, and I don't know what kind of lifestyle Ricky McGee lived, but, you know, some wilderness skills definitely would have helped out there, right? Uh, you know, I don't know what exactly the outback is. Uh, I mean, there's a picture here and it looks like, uh, um, you know, desert plains and, and stuff. Uh, there is some trees. I mean, this looks like a really faraway picture. So, um so, you know, but some wilderness skills definitely would have probably helped out there. So it's always beneficial to know uh, know some of those skills, right? Okay, uh, going on to the last one, Greg Barnes, Lost at Sea. 
Greg Barnes was only 28 when he was swept off a rock and out to sea in Guam. He was gripping a rock, allowing the waves to crash over him and the spray to hit him, when a large wave took, took hold of him and dragged him out to sea. Within seconds, he was 100 feet from the shore. He immediately used all of his strength in an attempt to swim in towards the shore, and yet the tide was too strong. Barnes stopped and realized that he was acting purely on his panic. He remembered his scuba training and began kicking his legs while little effort, with little effort in order to stay afloat. He desperately kicked and kicked, attempting to remain above the, wa the waves. After 30 minutes of relentless kicking, he felt ready to give up. His clothes were sagging, his muscles were aching, and his hope was waning. His thought about giving in and letting go. However, he couldn't bear the thought of looking like a hypocrite to the youth group he taught. He had always reminded them of the importance of suffering and the strength that comes from it. So Barnes kicked and kicked and kicked. After more than an hour in the water alone, he could barely hold on. But the instinct for him to keep kicking was so much stronger than the instinct for him to let go. A naval helicopter flying overhead passed him over once and then twice before seeing him. As rescue divers pulled him up toward the helicopter, all Barnes could think was that it was a miracle that he was alive. The Lesson Barnes' story reminds us of the triumph of the will to live for the sake of others. It also reminds us to persevere even when you feel like you're truly, you truly cannot go on any longer. Most importantly, however, Barnes reminds us of the dangers in panicking in a scary situation. Whether you're alone in the wilderness or at home defending yourself against an intruder, the lesson is the same. Stay calm and keep your wits about you. Barnes was out at sea alone with no resources, no equipment, and only feared to accompany him. And yet he was able to remain calm when necessary and focus on surviving. Panicking simply wastes time and expends energy. If you are in, in a terrifying situation and you feel yourself beginning to panic, remember to take a deep breath and remind yourself that you can survive anything if you simply focus. It could save your life. These stories of survival are chilling and terrifying. We never want to imagine that we will be in a situation that is completely out of our control. And yet, even when we have lost all hope and all control, we can survive. We do survive. Against all odds, we can survive. The will to go on, to continue, and to succeed is so strong that it trumps the will to give up, to rest, and to take the easy road. We fight the odds with incredible strength because we truly want to survive. Incredibly, we almost always come out stronger on the other side. No matter how unprepared you may be for a situation, remember that you can and will survive it. Take a deep breath, find comfort in, in the things around you, and allow them to calm you and assist you. Remind yourself of your incredible will to survive. You will carry on. Well, that's it for today, my friends, and I hope you have enjoyed this, our final guest post. Until next time, stay safe, stay strong, and stay prepared. God bless America. Sarge. All right, so uh, article there about uh, survival. I always like uh, those kind of articles, at least you know, finding out how other people survive, uh, knowing that things can happen at any time. You know, you least expect it. You're, uh, you know, you think you're going out on a, an expedition that you normally you've done, you know, before with not without any problems, and then you uh, a well hits your boat, or uh, you know, you are uh, all of a sudden you find you you wake up and you you realize that you were drugged and uh, you know left for dead, you know, in the middle of nowhere and having to survive there. Uh, or you're enjoying the water and uh, a rogue wave takes you back out uh, and you can't, uh, you know, you can't swim against the tide. So uh, there's so many different uh, scenarios out there that, you know, things can happen just in a flash. And being able to be calm and, uh, and uh, you know, like, like the article said, you know, have your wits about you is so important in so many different ways. All right, so that's American Preppers Online. Um, all right, so our last article comes to us from Backdoor Survival. And, you know, on Fridays, I usually try to pull an article from the archives. So I spent a couple of, uh, actually, I spent a while uh, on uh, the tag cloud over at Prepper website and uh, looking for something that I haven't done recently uh, on the podcast. And so I know that we haven't done something like a DIY laundry or soap or something like that. Um, you know, back in the day, it was very popular. This article is actually from uh, November 2012, uh, so you know it's a it's it's been a long, long time. Uh, it's been sitting there on uh, on Prepper website for a long time. 
Uh, so, uh, but it's a good one. And uh, when Gay wrote this, you know, Gay always tries out what she what she does and what she would do. Um, she would always try it out and uh, you know come back with the with the recommendations. And if it wasn't something that worked out, she you know she wouldn't post it. She would let you know about it. So uh, I always like uh, her articles on that because they're tried and tested. And so I uh, want to just give you this information, uh, and I'll come back and talk just a little bit at the end. Uh, this is called the no mess, no fuss method of making DIY laundry detergent. It seems as though the big news going around the prepper and DIY community is how to make your own laundry detergent. As a matter of fact, enter DIY laundry detergent in your search engine and you will come up with more than 1.8 million hits. As you start to click through the links, you will find dozens of variations on the recipe. Well, I'm here to tell you that you can forget about grating bars of soap. In addition, you can forget about making, a, making up five-gallon buckets filled with detergent, and you can forget about cooking up a laundry detergent stew in a big kettle on the stove. Who has time for, the, for that craziness? I sure don't. The basic recipe for laundry detergent. Before I launch into the recipe, I want to say a word about the ingredients. With no apologies, the ingredients, while inexpensive, may or may not be considered green. As a matter of fact, there is a bit of an online war as to whether one particular ingredient, borax, is safe and environmentally friendly. The last thing I want to do is to get in the middle if that argument of that argument, so let us put those considerations aside for now and get on with the basic recipe. Three tablespoons of borax, three tablespoons of washing soda, two tablespoons of liquid dish soap, such as Dawn, and eight cups of water, preferably filtered. Here are the directions. Find yourself a half-gallon container, such as a clean juice bottle, that has been repurposed. Get out a funnel and add the borax and washing soda, followed by two cups of boiling water. Give it all a good shake until the powdered ingredients are dissolved. And the liquid, add the liquid dish soap and swish it around until the brew is well mixed. Once that is done, add the remaining water which will pretty much fill the jug. Do not be surprised if there are bubbles coming out of the top. That is the dish soap doing its thing. When it is time to do laundry, measure out one fourth cup to one half cup of your DIY laundry detergent and wash normally. This detergent will be thin and watery but don't worry, it will work just fine. See what I mean by no, mu no mess, no fuss? Depending on how much you use per load, this will produce enough laundry detergent for 16 to 32 loads of laundry and if you are so inclined, can easily be doubled to produce a full gallon. All of the, su all of the successful tests using my homemade laundry detergent were done with cold water and without additives such as laundry boosters or bleach products. In addition, I did not and do not use fabric softeners so that was not a factor. I pre-treated nasty stains and spots by spraying plain water on the garment and rubbing the stain with a bar of Fells naphtha soap. This seemed to work well but I, need, but I needed, need to keep doing this for a while before I will know for sure that this is a workable solution for spot cleaning. Speaking of spot cleaning, I have tried three different recipes for homemade shout and all were a waste of time. None of them worked at all and my clothes had to be re-laundered using Zout stain remover, which I prefer over shout. Of course, this was before I tried Felsnaptha, which does seem to work. For those of you that are interested, my homemade shout was made using various combinations of dish soap, ammonia, baking soda, and water. Now, by way of full disclosure, we have pretty soft water where I live, which helps a lot. This is probably why I do not need fabric softener, although I am told that a quarter cup of vinegar will work as a decent fabric softener. I tried it, but there was not enough of a difference to notice, but again, that may be due to the water. On the other hand, and this is important, some of my trials using a powdered version of DIY laundry detergent left mystery stains on my whites. To get these grayish, greasy looking spots out, I had to rewash my stuff four times in hot water and bleach. Nothing else would remove them. So what were these spots and where did they come from? As it turns out, the spots are residues from undissolved borax settling on my clothes during the wash cycle. 
I have an HE type washer and the laundry detergent is dispensed automatically via dispenser. Go my best go my best guess is that uh, the combination of low water and lo low water temperature were insufficient to dissolve the powder. So be aware and do not be surprised if this happens to you. Okay, let me be truthful. Dish soap is really a detergent and not a soap. What is the difference? In simplistic terms, soaps are made from natural fats and oils while detergents are made with some natural but mostly synthetic chemicals. A, huge, a hugely popular soap these days is Dr. Bronner's Magic Soap, which is a Castile soap that is made from organic coconut and olive oils, among other things. I have my opinion about this soap, which is not cheap, by the way, but would like to reserve that opinion for another time. It is not all good and not all bad. I will tell you this. If you use it in your homemade DIY laundry soap, you will be disappointed. On the other hand, dish soap, such as my beloved Dawn, is made from chemicals. While this might not be considered very green, I would personally rather have clean clothes than a load of dingy stained items that require washing two or three times before coming clean. With the wasted water and electricity, how green is that? At the end of the day, however, you need to decide what works for you. All I can do is share my experience and my opinions. That said, I have been experimenting and testing DIY cleaning products for quite a while and stand by my recommendations. I had to get out the calculator and the scale for this one. I paid $4.89 for 76 ounces of borax, $3.55 for 55 ounces of washing soda, and $5.64 for the Dawn dish soap. Given the minute the, the minute sorry, given the minute amount of each ingredient, I came up with 23 cents per half gallon batch or less than one and a half cents per load using a full half cup per load. Now that is cheap. As a comparison, the laundry detergent I purchased at Costco runs about 11.7 cents per load. Still, I have a hint for you. You can use half the recommended amount of commercial laundry detergent and chances are your clothes will come out clean. That brings the cost down to a manageable 5 or 6 cents per load and that's not bad. Use only cold water and you will save even more money. As for the Fells naphtha, I paid $1.79 for a large bar. I probably overpaid because I purchased it locally and later learned that a more typical price is $1.29 per bar. Live and learn. On the other hand, it will probably last forever if I am just using it as a spot and stain remover. Don't get ripped off. You will notice that I did not include any purchase links for the DIY laundry detergents ingredients mentioned in today's article, Borax, Washing Soda, Fells Naphtha, and Dawn. That is because you will pay double or even triple from some of the online vendors. Don't do it. In my case, the Borax and Fells Naphtha were available locally, but I paid a premium. Try to wait until you make a trip to town and find yourself a Walmart. They seem to have the best prices I have seen on laundry items. Naturally, your mileage may vary. Now, in all fairness, I must explain that I have a small household, two adults, and I only do three or four loads of laundry a week. That means that even if I use packaged detergent from the supermarket at Costco, my cost is not huge. Given that, I still wanted to give the DIY version a try, and now I am stuck on it. As far as I'm concerned, the package of borax and washing soda will last me for years, and I have already stockpiled a goodly amount of dish soap. Perhaps over and above all of that, however, it just feels darn good to make it myself. Um, so there are like over 80 comments here and people giving suggestions and helping out uh, with recommendations and different things like that. Uh, some, you know, somebody said, hey, I have a household of six. So my, you know, the laundry room is always, always busy and going. And so, you know, uh, saving money is important there. Um, the reason I, I wanted to um, to drop this uh, on you is, okay, so there might be some of you out there that are wanting to save money. And so you can like, hey, I'm going to go ahead and DIY my laundry detergent and I'm going to try what uh, what Gay was saying here or Backdoor Survival and I'm going to try it and, uh, you know, see if it cleans my, uh, gets all my clothes clean. Uh, someone did say in the comments, you know, my kids are, you know, really sweaty 
And so I use uh, a little bit more. I put like one extra tablespoon of all the ingredients in there to make it just a little bit stronger. And uh, I've got kids. I, I know exactly what they're talking about there. So definitely there's that frugal side of it uh, that you definitely want to consider. The other thing that the real reason why uh, I really kind of want to point this out is that you might want to stockpile the, these items and and uh, even kind of record the recipe somewhere so that if you ever get in a situation like uh, you know things start going south that you are able to have some kind of detergent uh, and make yourself uh, you know a homemade washing machine with a, a plunger and a five gallon bucket and uh, you'll have some detergent to go with it to be able to get your stuff clean and so you know having a little bit of this won't uh, won't take up a lot of space and you know it would be good to have so I, that's one reason why I wanted to kind of throw it out there uh, for you. Uh, a lot of the articles that, that Gay did back when she uh, had Backdoor Survival um, had implications for the use of today and now, but then also implications for when the poop hit the fan, uh, like the pool shock article and things like that that I've read in the past. So um, I, I think that's important. If you are making your own, I mean, there's some people that make their own uh, cleaners, you know, vinegar and, and water and essential oils, and they just use that, you know, instead of buying uh, chemicals at the, at the store. And, uh, you know, there's always ways to, to be frugal and to, uh, to save money that way. So that's uh, at Backdoor Survival. Uh, like always, there's a lot of links uh, that you might want to check out over there, especially down uh, below in the, in the article. Um, uh, actually, after the article, there's a lot of extra stuff that she kind of added there that you can kind of go uh, take a look at that but we will uh, we will look uh, we will link to that one uh, like always as this podcast comes to a close uh, can I ask you a big favor uh, as this is the weekend and we're going you know we're going into the weekend uh, I know that a lot of you uh, are you know are in Facebook groups and uh, you know you don't mind sharing preparedness uh, related information on your Facebook groups or on your social media, or uh, even uh, like on forums. If you are in a, you know, a forum or a group or whatever, you know, would you do me that, that great favor of sharing out the podcast? And you can just you know, share out the, the main link, the prepperwebsitepodcast.com, uh, and share that out you know, with other people there that are, that are preparedness-minded, that are like-minded, that might find value in, uh, in uh, the podcast. I would greatly, uh, greatly appreciate that. Uh, just kind of getting the word out there, and, and uh, it, it's one thing when you just, when you just, you know, like something. That's another thing when you're like, hey guys, I, uh, you know, I've been listening to the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. You might be interested in it. You know, go check it out. Um, that's always appreciated, and uh, I, I would greatly, uh, greatly thank you for that. Hey, uh, as it is the weekend, I hope you get a chance to go out there and uh, do some. Uh, you know, have some uh, fun this weekend, whether it's, uh, you know, getting out there and doing some hiking or some gardening or just enjoying the, the fresh air. Uh, that's always uh, a good thing out there. And um, I also want to say that if you are looking for more preparedness information, uh, you know, come over to PrepperWebsite.com. We have uh, tons of links, tons of articles, uh, pages that are dedicated to specific like DIY, frugal living, uh, you know, firearms, uh, alternative news. We have all that over there. Uh, and so, uh, you know, a, lo a lot of uh, opportunity to, to learn and to grow and, and, and to, uh, to know more about preparedness out there. All right, so uh, if you get a chance, come by the, the website and drop me a line in the comment section or hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. With that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next week, stay prepped and aware. Peace.